You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Transcending our stories. In this podcast, Eckhart talks to a live audience about our tendency to manufacture stories about ourselves and others. He discusses our desperate need to be right and to make others wrong. And while it may feel gratifying in the moment, Eckhart says, having a story actually strengthens the ego, keeping us stuck. However, we don't have to stay in that negativity. He explains how we can learn to shift our inner narrative release the ego, and align ourselves with the peace of the present moment. I'm beginning to receive your questions. Thank you very much. If possible, write as legibly as you can. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll get really irritated. And my mind will say, do they expect me to read this, to be able to read this? Why can't they write more legibly? Isn't it common sense that, that they should write legibly? Why, why do people do things like that? <laughs> that would be a normal ego reaction to something that in itself is perfectly okay, because you can either read it or you can't. But the ego adds a story to it. And behind the story is always an attempt to be more right than the other person. There's always an attempt to have in some kind of superiority. It's unconscious, of course. Ego is always unconscious. Alternatively, what actually I don't get irritated, as you might have guessed, if there's a paper that's not legible, I look and say, okay, I'll put this aside and give it more attention later. In the meantime, I'll read the legible ones, and then if there's time later, I'll give it more attention. There's no problem without a story. You are not wrong, and I'm not right. This is just what is. It's just a tiny example of the difference between aligning yourself to the simple isness of the present moment and imposing a story on it in the service of the self that wants to inflate itself. Indignation, irritation, they should. Why do they? Don't they know better? I said, oh, they're all stories in the service of a false sense of self. And so, 
in presence, all this what I sometimes call unnecessary baggage that people manufacture mentally and emotionally, all that unnecessary baggage that really is a, there's a heaviness to it that they carry around doesn't arise anymore. And there's the simple, this is what is, I can either do this or I can do that. I can deal with it now, I can put it aside. No story. But this is frustrating to the ego because when there's no longer any story where you oppose the other, where you make yourself feel superior to the other, then there's no food for the ego anymore. <laughs> but there's an incredible lightness and the lightness of being comes and the heaviness goes out of situations. That's what the ego is, a heavy me. And even when it attempts to make itself superior, what it doesn't recognize is that all these are really forms of suffering. The ego doesn't even recognize suffering as suffering. It doesn't realize that when you get angry or irritated about somebody else's behavior and bring up a big story about it, you are actually in a state of suffering. If you were able to have attention in your body, you would notice that your body is suffering because those things affect the smooth, harmonious working of the energy field that goes through the body. So an angry thought has an effect on the body. Small irritation or has an effect and the body doesn't really like it, but the ego, the egoic self is not in touch with the body and it mistakes suffering for something good. Anger can really get into this. <laughs> so you can look at your own life and see where you are manufacturing unnecessary stories, both in small situations and in bigger life situations and in situations to do with relatives, family members, partners, ex-partners, a wonderful source of egoic stories. <laughs> can talk about your ex-husband or wife for hours, either to somebody else if they're ready to listen, or in your own mind. Or you had a confrontation or an exchange with somebody yesterday and you can go on, continue that in your mind and say so many hurtful things to the other person that unfortunately you couldn't think of in the situation. <laughs> but you can relive it now and it's almost as good as the real thing. <laughs> so in that fantasy world of the mind, you can be right again and again, and the other person can be wrong again and again. How wonderful. <laughs> All this is what we call unconscious, so people don't know what they are doing. That's, for them, that is their reality. Now can we understand why Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. They are unconscious. It's an automatic process of ego inflation, of ego reinforcement. It's conditioned, learned. It's part of the structure of the mind. So that is something important to recognize. Stories can be new stories, like the one I just talked about, a simple event 
you get irritated about something because they're not doing it right, they should know better, or why don't they, whatever. Or it can be a long-standing story that has been going on in your life for years, a story about your parents, for example, a story about somebody in your life years ago, what they did. Often people approach me with our questions like, how do I deal with betrayal in relationship? How do I what my husband, my wife, had for a long time an affair with somebody else and then finally he walked off with her or him, he or she. He betrayed me and how can I get beyond that terrible thing of having been betrayed by him? Much more terrible than what happened is the word betrayal because that word is already a story. So if you remove that, what is left? Just the simple events, he, while we were still, or she, while we were still married, was in a relationship with somebody else but didn't tell me about it. And in the end, he, she walked off with him or her. And I felt very hurt. And I can still feel that pain inside me now. That's what there is to it. But the reason why you still feel that pain is because you went beyond the simple facts of the situation. You added the betrayal story to it. And by dwelling on that mentally, it continuously renewed the pain, the initial pain of the event. So it is normal when somebody you're close to walks off with somebody else that you feel emotional pain. But this does not have to be carried on from one year into the next and into the next and into the next. That is like a wound, like a physical wound. A wound is inflicted on you, you and then the wound has a certain time span within which it heals. Yes, it may leave a scar behind, but it's healed. The wound itself is healed. The scar may still be there. And in the same way, an event like that, yes, there may be some suffering there, but if you add the story to it, which of course is in the service of the ego, then it can go on the hurt goes on for years, because you relive it by calling it the betrayal, you relive it continuously. The fact is, no human being can act beyond their level of consciousness. So your husband, your ex-husband or ex-wife manifested the particular level of consciousness that they were at, at the time, and that's what happened. So. He didn't realize, she didn't realize that she was hurting you, or she realized, or he realized that he was hurting you, but something else was more important for him or her. And so that corresponded to his or her level of consciousness at the time. But that's not a satisfying perspective for the ego. <laughs> but that's a simple fact. Nobody can act beyond that. And of course, everybody has to suffer the consequences of their actions, because most probably this new relationship of your ex-wife or ex-husband didn't work out either. Because, again, the same level of consciousness or unconsciousness manifested in that relationship, and the same thing started all over again, most likely. Or they became a bit more conscious. In fact, might be awakened, or let's say at least awakening now, 
and you might meet him or her again accidentally in the street, and they might now manifest a completely different level of consciousness, but if you're stuck in the story about them, you won't even see that. You will see the old person still. There will be no resolution possible. If you are not stuck in the old story, if you simply accept the facts of the situation, then you would be open to meeting this person again and realizing, oh, this is not the same unconscious Dirk that I was married to. <laughs> Dirk is, of course, the story again. <laughs> he is now much more awake than I knew him. What a pity. Why, why couldn't he be awake when I was married to him? <laughs> Why does the universe always does, always does that to me? <laughs> and this new person, she gets to live with a conscious person, I to live with. <laughs> you like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So the two levels of story observe the spontaneous stories that arise when little things don't go according to expectations and in an unconscious attempt to make somebody wrong. And the old long-standing stories that in some cases have provided you with a sense of identity. So long-standing stories that are frequently repeated in the mind about what some, you and somebody else and what happened and what they did or failed to do. It is not unusual for a human being to derive a significant part of their sense of identity from such collection of three or four of those stories, or even just one big one. So, and that, that gives you like, we all know the expression victim identity. You cannot see yourself as a victim without a story around it. You must have a story. And of course, people do bad things to other people. There's no doubt about that. But when you construct a story, you are doing something to yourself unconsciously that is often worse than the initial event that the story is about because it prolongs it indefinitely. What otherwise would have a certain time span, the injury, the healing process, and the scar remaining, and that's it. Then yes, you can still look at the scar and say that's the scar, metaphorically speaking, but it's basically you have gone beyond it. So. It requires vigilance to 
discover in yourself the arising of stories around things and the old stories that you may still carry in your mind that gives you a false sense of identity that strengthens the ego. It's so common that most people do it to a greater or lesser degree. So when you are present, gradually, perhaps even suddenly, you don't do that anymore. You relinquish the stories. And then a certain simplicity comes into your life and your relationships become much easier. Stories are even little things when you tell somebody, oh, yesterday you did that, but you should have done that. It can be expressed even without that, without the should. Yesterday you gave me that, but can you, could you from now on do that? The way in which you communicate can be done in such a way that you don't make the other person wrong. That is a very helpful thing. And also things resolve themselves much more quickly if you don't add the story to the event without the baggage. The resolution comes about much more quickly. The egoic self that adds a story to a simple event does not want a resolution. It wants a continuation of its assumed sense of superiority. In other words, you want the problem to continue unconsciously. We're consciously saying, I don't want this problem. I can't, right? I don't want to have to deal with these people anymore. So that's what you say, but you do. Because they help you feel superior. <laughs> and of course, again, that's unconscious. So it's amazing what mind patterns humans are trapped in. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So it's your job to identify stories. If you have any doubt about what is a story and what is, where does the fact end and the story begin, please ask. But I believe most of you are clear and you can identify stories in your mind, both the, sh the ones that arise spontaneously in situations and the old ones. They are very important to identify. And there is a reluctance, if they have become part of your sense of self, there is a reluctance, there will be a reluctance in you to let go of them. I'm not letting go of that one. Because then the, my sense of self will be partly collapsing. <laughs> but that, of course, is a wonderful thing, because that is a false sense of self. You are not that victimized person and you are not superior to somebody else, you are presence. So don't attempt to strengthen your form identity. That is there anyway. You don't need to strengthen it. The form identity, you might remember I wrote about and sometimes speak about, you have two identities. One is the temporal identity, the conditioned identity of you as a person temporal, of course, you have a certain lifespan. You as the person who has a body and a mind that has been conditioned by your past and by the, your surroundings and the past of the, the world that you grew up in, 
conditioned by many, many factors, including even your native language is already a form of conditioning. So you've been conditioned by that, it's the temporal self, and that's the form identity. And there is an essence identity, which is the timeless, formless consciousness, without which there could, couldn't, the form identity could not even exist. The form identity is not separate from essence identity, it's just a temporary form that your deeper essence, of which is consciousness itself, has taken for this lifetime. So your form identity is the ripple on the surface of the ocean. Your essence identity is the ocean. When your mind becomes still, the thinking subsides and only awareness is left. That awareness is the ocean. Now sometimes people say, don't you need the ego? You, you can't live here without the ego. The way I use the word ego is ego meaning complete and utter identification with your form identity, nothing else. There's nothing else that you know about yourself, only you know yourself as the body and the conditioned mind. That's ego. Form identity itself is not the ego, it's only form identity. So you don't have to get rid of your form identity and say, I want to be nobody in particular anymore. No, you don't, that's not unnecessary. You can honor your form identity, it includes the physical body, it includes what you have achieved in this lifetime, it includes all the relationships that you have and have had, what you have experienced, it's all beautiful, you can honor and you can have plans for the future, what you want to add to your form identity. I'd like to learn to play the piano. Why not? You add this and that to your form identity, or I'd like to achieve that on the level of form. That's fine. But what is the foundation for your sense of self? The foundation for your sense of self, if that is the form identity, then that's ego. But if the foundation for your sense of self is your essence identity, which has no form and is timeless and it is what the Buddha called formlessness, which is a better translation than emptiness, sunyata, that is your essence. And you can know that here and now, the moment thinking subsides and you have not gone to sleep. Thinking subsides, there's this little gap that arises in the stream of otherwise continuous stream of thinking, and this little gap is, there's a gap between this hand and this hand, so to speak, in your mind, and there suddenly you have this space of simple, what's left of you when you don't remember any story, you're not thinking about anything, you're not even thinking about your name or how old you are, why? And yet something is left of you how do we describe that? A spacious sense of presence, stillness, inner stillness, beingness, a sense of I am without anything added to it, because usually I am follows, I am a man, I am a woman, I am a success, I am a failure. That's the form identity. So if you add something to I am, that's your form identity. 
But if nothing is added to that, that sense of beingness or presence, I am. This is the I am that has no form. This is why certain teachers recommend it as a meditation to ask yourself, who am I? That meditation fails when your mind comes up with an answer. <laughs> it is not a puzzle that has an answer on a conceptual level. And you cannot solve the question, who am I, by thinking, um, hmm, let's see, I uh, just start thinking about that. No, you need to allow the question, and then the question can take you into beingness or presence, because who you essentially are is consciousness itself. Who am I? I don't know. And you don't feel that you need to know or should know, become comfortable with not knowing who you are. If you are comfortable with not knowing who you are, then that makes it much easier to realize who you are beyond form. If you become uncomfortable with not knowing who you are, then you get fearful, or I should know who I am. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So there is a level of not knowing that's extremely important in your life and that the ego does not like to go there. It fears to go into that not knowing. And this also applies to a human being relating to other human beings. When all there is when you relate to another human being is your perspectives, your judgments, your opinions, about that human being that's extremely limiting. You are not really relating to that human being. You're relating to your, the screen of mental concepts about that person. And this is how this huge obstacle arises in many, many relationships. Because you never really meet the essence of that person. Why can you not meet the essence of that person? because you have not met your own essence. You identified only with your form identity as a man or a woman, or whatever conditioning makes up the person. But if you have met yourself as the essence identity, and it's easy, here and now, what's left of you is still space of presence. It's your essence identity. And the more you surrender into that and allow it to be there, the more peaceful, deeply peaceful, but also there's a subtle 
sense of joy in that, that presence. It's to know yourself as consciousness is inherently joyful, not the ecstatic joy that goes, ah, I'm consciousness. <laughs> it's a very subtle joy, like, like, a, like a distant sound. And this is the realization of being. And the realization of being is the realization of consciousness, the self-realization of consciousness, consciousness realizing itself, and that is joyful. So spaciousness, I've pointed out how important it is if you work with people in whatever capacity, not to become completely taken over by whatever modality you use when you work with people. Not to become completely taken over by the knowledge that you have about what you do, because obviously you apply your knowledge. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the world of form. But if you get taken over completely by the accumulated knowledge, the forms, then what is lost in your relationship is that sense of spaciousness. So a vital question in any relationship, and even more so in the helping relationship, therapeutic, whatever you want to call it, a vital question is always be vigilant and say, is there space here in addition to dealing with things on the level of form? Is there still a sense of space within me and between us? And here, the space between us is awareness present, is stillness present in some way. And that is vital in therapeutic relationships, but it's vital in any relationship to have not a one-dimensional relationship with another human being, which is only on the level of form, but to acknowledge the form level, to honor the form level, but not be confined to the form level. And that means, in addition to your knowledge that you have in your whatever work you do with another person, in addition to that, there needs to be something else. And that is almost contradictory to knowledge, because you need to be able to enter the spaces of not knowing anything in between applying your knowledge. <laughs> So you become still, even if it's just listening while the other speaks. You are not responding while you listen. You are not formulating the next question yet. There's open and spacious, attentive listening. And that is an energy field. That is presence. That is the, the energy field of presence is suddenly there between you. And that transmits itself to the other also. And that is more foundational than anything else that you do on the level of form. That, yes, you can be helpful to a limited extent even on the level of form alone. But if you want a true therapeutic relationship with another human being, the presence needs to be there. The stillness needs to be there as part of the relationship. So in some kinds of work that you do, Intuition may be important. After a while, you begin to go beyond what you have learned. And it takes sometimes years before a therapist has the 
courage to let go of what he or she has learned, and then at some point, they just become present without even having a word for it, and then just go, hmm. <laughs> and, and then they begin to say intuitively, out of that spaciousness, out of that stillness, they say things that, that, that they never learned, and then they never knew that they knew that because they didn't know it until they said it, until the situation required this knowledge to come forth. And then you become a truly effective therapist when more and more intuition takes over, but intuition can only take over if you become comfortable with not knowing, instead of thinking immediately that you have the answer or you're just applying the model that you have learned. Becoming comfortable with not knowing gives you access to a much deeper knowing, almost paradoxically. It gives you access to intuitive knowing, which is primordial intelligence arising, and then it uses your mind and then you speak. But the important thing is how vital it is not to become completely identified with your knowledge so that you, you have both your knowledge and the space of not knowing, which is when the mind subsides and only this alert presence remains. So that is space in the relationship. Is there space in the relationship? And this really applies to any relationship. It is certainly important in your relationship with your partner, wife, husband, children, family members, colleagues at work, in any situation, you have to bring spaciousness to the situation in addition to the things that you know you have to talk about and so on. So that the two dimensions of you are always present in any situation. You as the form identity and you as the underlying unconditioned consciousness, the two. There's a balance between form and formlessness. So both of you, so to speak, need to be there. You as form and you as your essence. That requires vigilance. The normal thing to happen is that this, the connectedness with your essence identity is lost very easily in human relationships because the mind is so active and we live in a civilization that provides continuous and incessant stimulus, stimuli is the plural, continuous incessant stimuli for the mind, even more than even 30 years ago. 30 years ago it was just radio and television and you would, people would sit there for hours. But nowadays you have countless sources of stimulus for the mind that draws you into continuously thinking about what's your next Facebook post, what's it going to be, and you look at the ones that are coming in, all these people are doing these fantastic things, and me, I'm just sitting here, and then you have to pretend that you're also doing fantastic things. <laughs> and usually it involves taking a nice selfie. <laughs> it's Narcissus, you might remember the myth of Narcissus, the Greek, ancient Greek myth. There was this young man who had never seen himself before because they didn't have mirrors at the time. 
But one day he happened to look into a little pool of water and he saw himself and he realized that he was extremely beautiful. He said, oh, that's me. <coughs> and it, the story goes, he fell in love with himself. Not in a good way. <laughs> Not by becoming one with who he is, but, but the separation happened. This myth shows the, the beginning stage of the, the egoic sense of self, expressed as a story. The image that he saw of himself in a pool is the mental image of the ego set, and stories are part of that image. That's me, I'm me and my story. So you have the image of me, and then, oh. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. So this guy, Narcissus, he experienced that separation. And then I think something bad happened to him, but I don't remember what. <laughs> it's like the civilization has made a great effort to come up with as many things as possible to prevent people from becoming still and spacious, and taking a moment of ah, looking at the sky and feeling the inner spaciousness arise and becoming aware of the, the leaves of the tree or the branches and the wind blowing and the noise of water, the simple thing, becoming still, alert, sensing that stillness within. And of course, a minute later, another text message is coming in. <laughs> of, of course, you have to look at it immediately. And emails are coming in too. Oh dear, I must be very important. I'm getting all these messages. And some people are beginning to realize how dreadful that it's kind of life is. And some more enlightened companies, they may not be totally enlightened, but they're beginning signs of enlightenment. They even forbid you to answer emails after a certain time in the evening. Some have even disabled your phones. And this is very wise because otherwise people will go insane eventually. So there are, there are great opportunities in this new technology also, but it's also very dangerous. They are both. You can spread messages of awareness. You can spread enlightenment through that also. It can travel and incredible madness too. So the essence then is the two dimensions, let's just put it like that, of who you are, balance them in your life and at work, and you will find inevitably in certain situations one will become stronger than the other, and then the situation changes, and then the other will become stronger. So look at your own life and see how you and this is a vital, can give you a reflection of where you are at in your spiritual life. How do you 
respond to the challenges when they come, from the little ones to the big ones. Do things and situations and people have the power to upset you, to throw you off balance, to create negative emotions, or are you able to become more present, more aligned with the present moment when a challenge arises? That's, that's a critical line. Only you can know that. That really gives you a reflection of how conscious you are, if you want to know. <laughs> because you could formulate in your mind and self-image of yourself as being so spiritual. <laughs> and some even suppress emotions, because you're not supposed to have negative emotions when you're spiritual, so I'm, I'm not angry. I'm just letting you know what I think. I'm not angry at all. <laughs> Why do you always accuse me of being angry? You should look at yourself. <laughs> Denial, so that you can keep your self-image intact. <laughs> so how do you deal with challenges? It tells you how conscious you are. As somebody said to me on a retreat, I can be present when I'm sitting alone in my room, I can be really present and still. But the moment I go out into the world, I lose it. This is why some people think, if I could live in an ashram, in a community, in a protected setting, in a way it's like, imagine that we are here and we are not going home anymore. <laughs> so, well, let's live here. Let's all live together. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> I would come and visit you occasionally. <laughs> Although co compared to the mainstream population, it is true that there is this, our group here embodies a more awakened state of consciousness than the, the one that is still normal in the world. That is undoubtedly true. But even though, if you started to live together for a longer period of time, you would encounter many situations that would require you to be absolutely present, because ego would still surface. The best situation for most of us is to be out in the world and face the challenges of the world. Use the world and whatever the world presents you with as your spiritual practice, rather than hoping for ideal situations so that you can really start practicing spiritually. <laughs> because what, what the mind or the ego envisages as an ideal situation is not the ideal situation. The ideal situation is one that provides you with challenges, because without that, there's no awakening. That's the, the truth of it. So once you know that, you also know that life is meant to be challenging. It's not meant to be, oh. It's meant to be challenging because that forces evolution to happen. It's, it's challenging for every life form on the planet. Every life form has its own challenge. 
and there would have been no evolution without life forms being challenged and being forced to evolve. And so you might have noticed that the universe brings you one challenge after another and some people get very upset and despondent at this. Is why can't I want to why can't life leave me alone? <laughs> I want to why is there always the next thing just when I've achieved this and I thought everything was fine something else happened. Everything was fine here and then somebody crashed there. Every challenge gives you an opportunity to go deeper, to be more awake, to let go of ego. So you can welcome all those things when they arise. That could be a significant shift in the way in which you experience life when you no longer get upset when the next challenge happens. Or if you do get upset, suddenly you notice that you're upset. And then you go, oh, isn't that interesting? I just, I missed the bus or the plane and I got upset. For what? How important is that whole thing, missing a bus or a plane? On a universal scale, it's completely unimportant. I thought it was terribly important. Isn't that interesting? So sometimes being upset is fine too. That's part of the learning too, because awareness comes in at some point and says, oh, I can feel the upset. Why? Because I missed the plane. I have to wait here for another three hours or another night. And then you'd ask, I'm just giving one example out of hundreds. Does it matter where you, where you wait, where you breathe? You can breathe at the airport for the next three hours or somewhere else. We can sit on a plane or at home in a chair or in the, at the airport in a chair. You sit, always sit somewhere, or stand somewhere, or lie somewhere. Does it really matter when the mind says, I should be home by now? What would you do at home? Well, I would sit or lie or stand somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or I would check my emails. Well, you can do that now, too. <laughs> a certain independence comes, there's a certain freedom from externals that begins to come in as you live more consciously. You are free of being totally, your inner state being totally determined by external conditions. And that's a wonderful sense of freedom. Otherwise you're at the mercy of whatever happens out there and things, as the Buddha already realized and told us, things are unstable in the universe. Everything is changing, impermanent and in flux, continuous flux. So if you're dependent on things being stable, you get upset a lot of the time. If you're dependent for all your inner state on things going as they should, you get upset and suffer. You suffer a lot. <laughs> and the freedom comes when you can immediately go with what is internally. Oh, no longer construct a story about how unfairly the universe or somebody else has treated you or how dreadful they are, none of that. Just immediately align with the present moment. Freedom from externals, wonderful. Especially from unconscious people because every, then otherwise every unconscious person makes you unconscious. <laughs> every angry person makes you angry. <laughs> So we transcend 
just a brief recapitulation in one, one minute. Essence identity, I don't know if it's going to be one minute or ten, but let's... <laughs> Essence identity, form identity, the two bring them together so that they are both there in your daily life. Form identity alone is ego. Form identity with presence is just what it is, form identity, nothing wrong with it. You can see how religious people fight different religions, why? Because they're completely identified with their form identity. So you find that the disagreement between religious people happens because these people are trapped in their egos and the religion has become part of their sense of self. And you can still honor your religion, which is part of the form of life, if you have gone deeper into the essence of yourself, then you recognize the essence in your religion. And then you can meet somebody else and recognize that, no matter what the outer form of their religion is, you realize you truly meet the other. So, moment of stillness. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.